Come, Holy Spirit, and be our guest. Help us to gain deeper understanding and insight into the words of Jesus as we study them, and let my words be your words, and all to the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. The 13th Sunday after Trinity, and again, we reflect on some words of Jesus. This day, we focus on a well-known parable of our Lord's, the parable of the Good Samaritan that you heard read so nicely by Father Andrew. This particular parable appears only in Luke's Gospel, but it is very popular and, as I'm sure you know, has inspired painting, sculpture, poetry, and film. I should like to speak about three things. Firstly, something about the setting of the parable, and more especially, why Jesus chose a Samaritan as the main character. Secondly, what the Samaritan did and why it was so noteworthy. And thirdly, how we, as 21st century Christians, might respond to the message of the parable. The lead-in for this parable is a conversation between Jesus and a lawyer. We're told that the lawyer was putting Jesus to a test by asking him how he, the lawyer, should gain eternal life. I shall not dwell on Jesus' answer to the lawyer because we know it well. Jesus gives him the summary of the law, which you heard this morning, and with which we're all quite familiar, that he should love God and love his neighbor as himself. But then, what happens? This does not seem to satisfy this rather querulous lawyer. He wants more and asks, who is my neighbor? A strange question, I should say, but it does seem to give Jesus an opening to lead into the parable. As an aside here, I often wonder whether the stories leading up to the parables are setups. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Jesus always had the proper word when he spoke in parables, and it makes little difference how he gets to where he's going. Well, why does Jesus use a Samaritan as the main character here? The answer resides in an understanding of just who the Samaritans were. And so, a brief history lesson. It all started with the Assyrians, who, when they defeated Israel, we'll call it the Northern Kingdom, in 722 B.C., they dispersed the resident Israelites among many Gentile nations. And not only that, they brought foreigners into the land of the Northern Kingdom to repopulate it. What this did was to create a half-breed race, half-Jewish, half-Gentile, that populated the area of the Northern Kingdom from then on. Now contrast this, if you will, with the Southern Kingdom. When the Babylonians took the Southern Kingdom, Judah, captive, and this included Jerusalem in 586 B.C., they did not intermingle the races, but kept the Jews separate. And so the Jews who did return from Babylon, and as you know, many of them did not, to Judah were pure Jews. 
The result of all this was that the Jews of Judah came to disdain the half-breed Samaritans, and with good reason, since the Samaritans gave those who returned from their Babylonian captivity much opposition as they attempted to rebuild the walls and the temple at Jerusalem. You can read about this in the Old Testament books of Ezra and Nehemiah, and I'm looking at Dan when I say that. He's instructed very nicely on that at the loft. In any event, the Jews looked down with disdain on the Samaritans. But Jesus, in our parable, and in his typical provocative manner, places a Samaritan in a positive light. He makes him the hero of the story. Now, this would clearly come as a shock to his Jewish audience. And I think that perhaps this is a device of sorts where Jesus could have captured the attention of his audience before he got into the important messages of the story. And now, a very quick word about the physical setting. Absolutely everyone who comments on this passage notes that the road upon which the traveler was walking was decidedly dangerous. In fact, it was called in antiquity the Bloody Way. It was well known, apparently, for the fact that there were robbers along the road constantly, and one might very well be attacked if one were not most careful when traveling here. William Barclay, whom I've quoted almost every sermon I've ever given, goes so far as to say that it was the traveler's own fault that he was set upon. Well, I don't think we have to take the passage so literally. It was indeed a parable. And by the way, what's a parable? A simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. Well, now that we know why Jesus placed a Samaritan as the hero, what did this unexpected person do? Let me quote from a poem I found written by an Australian that I had not previously known named Henry Lawson, entitled The Good Samaritan, because I believe that understanding the character of the Samaritan is key to understanding his behavior. This is the poem. This is one stanza of the poem. He'd been a fool, perhaps, and would have prospered had he tried. But he was one who never could pass by the other side. An honest man, whom men called soft while laughing in their sleeves. No doubt in business ways he oft had fallen amongst thieves. And so we have this fellow who, with little regard for himself, offered life-saving aid to this badly injured traveler. Certainly, the whole setup here could have been just that, a trap to catch someone unawares so that the person could be accosted and robbed. But the Samaritan felt compassion for this injured man and went way beyond in what he did to help. His spirit was such that he could not help himself. He had to get involved. And we should note carefully here the contrast between the behavior of our hero and the priest and Levite, who first came upon the injured and then went the other way. They 
would have been expected to reach out to help someone injured on the roadside. But they were too wrapped up in their own concerns to stop and help. Possibly, their behavior was more appropriate, actually. They may have realized how dangerous a situation this really was and avoided it. Here, one must wonder just who had the real relation with God. The priest and the Levite were religious, but the story teaches that it is not creeds or doctrines that are important. What is needed are compassion and sympathy. This is one of the most shocking aspects of the parable when Jesus told it. The priest was considered the holiest person there was among the Jews. He was taught the scriptures. He was entrusted with offering sacrifices for the sin of the people. He was allowed to go further into the temple than regular people were. If anyone were going to reflect the character of God, it would be the priest. Jesus here, then, is separating the person who has a real relationship with God from the merely religious. Now, how should we, as Christ followers, respond to this parable? How should we change our behavior? Can we understand the actions of the priest and the Levite? How would we have responded in such a situation? As I was thinking about this, an event that many of us will recall, the older ones here, came to mind. And that is the story of Kitty Genovese. I'm seeing if there's any recognition here. There is, good. She was that resident, especially Diana, she was that resident of Queens in New York who was stabbed to death outside of her apartment in 1964. Again, there apparently were many who heard her cries for help and did nothing to assist her. It's not even certain that anyone called the police. A great deal of soul-searching, hand-wringing, and recrimination followed on this event with no clear answers as to why folks did not rise to the occasion to help out. As one person wrote when comparing the Genovese event and the Good Samaritan story, quote, like Kitty Genovese's neighbors, the first two passers-by probably just didn't want to get involved. They didn't want any trouble. They weren't monsters. They were regular folks, nice, ordinary people who loved their kids and tried their best to get by in the world. Well, folks, Jesus would say to us, this was just not good enough. He would have us try harder to do the right thing, to get involved. We need to trust in our Lord to provide protection when we do extend ourselves in uncomfortable situations. From a personal perspective, I can tell you that sometimes, and only sometimes, <laughs> I do as Jesus would have us do. But such helpful behavior did not come naturally to me. 
I recall many years ago on a trip back home from a visit in Maine that our car died on the highway just as it was becoming dark and we, Susan, three kids, myself, were left stranded at the side of the road. Now, I know that does not sound like too much of a disaster. And no, we had not been injured like the Jew in our story. But in actuality, I felt personal anxiety and great helplessness when I knew that it was getting cold. As I recall, it was late fall. And there was no heat to keep us warm. The car was totally dead. And well, you know, there was that little fit of panic that struck my heart. Now, this was in the day before cell phones. Long before cell phones. Well, we sat, and we may have prayed, but that was really before the days that I really believed much in prayer. And nothing happened. No one stopped to help us. In fact, many passed by on the same side. Many hours later, when it was quite dark, and quite cold, a state police officer finally stopped and helped us out. He took us to a motel, had the car towed, and all ended well. For many months, and even years after this, I was much more likely to stop when I saw someone in trouble along the road where a car had stalled or the like. But over time, I've slipped back into my default position of being more like the priest and the Levite in the parable and less like the Samaritan. I like to soothe myself by saying, everybody's got a cell phone nowadays. They don't need my help. Now, I am not suggesting that either you or I should become foolhardy and begin poking into situations that may lead to trouble. But I am hoping that having heard Jesus' words in this parable once again, we might all think twice instead of simply turning away from such situations without a thought. I am convinced that Jesus wants all of us to behave that way, to care much about our neighbors. And we know exactly who our neighbors are. We're not dull like the lawyer in the parable. Again, let us all try more and more to be like our Lord. As that prince of preachers, <clears throat> Charles Spurgeon, said in his prayer on the Good Samaritan, O divine spirit, help us all to be like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.